tenth and final Six Nations weekend of the year and the chance for Wales women to get their best finish for 13 years. Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Union podcast. Yes, will 13 be a lucky number for Wales women? We'll also hear more from Chief Executive Steve Phillips, Performance Director Nigel Walker and Head of Participation Garen John on subjects such as player development, a global season for international rugby and Friday night rugby in the Six Nations. We will start with Wales women who finished their Six Nations campaign against Italy at Cardiff Arms Park lunchtime on Saturday. Ten changes, including two positional. Backs coach Richard Whiffen explained the thinking. It's been a long campaign and there's been a lot of challenging selections all the way through. You know, we started with some good consistency, girls earned the right to go again. And we just feel over the last few weeks, people have been putting their hands up in training. So, for example, you know, working from the, the back to the front, you know, Neve Terry's been training really well, putting pressure on Kaylee and came on obviously at the weekend. And, and we thought we thought did a good job and, and deserves an opportunity. Midfield-wise, Karen comes back in. Defensively, she, she's a very strong, you know, glue-like player for us. And we feel she'll be able to um, give us that um, defensive solidarity that, that we're looking for. Halfbacks, we've, you know, we've been changing throughout the, the tournament, really. You know, Robin, again, has, has come in and done a good job. Fionn's impact off the bench against France was outstanding. And um, to be fair, her and Kira are really battling hard for that starting jersey. But it's something that... We've challenged both of them that, you know, we want an 80-minute performance out of that one jersey. So whoever starts with it certainly won't finish. We want an, an impact for off our halfbacks and we think they'd be given that throughout the tournament. Moving up into the, the forward pack, you know, Sean Ed has done really well in uh, performances off the bench and, and warranted the right to get the starting jersey. And therefore, there's a little bit of a shuffling in and around it. Al Cow has, has been very good defensively. And again, we think... Yeah, we just were a little bit off that in the first half against France and, and we feel that you know, she can give us a, an impetus in, in that defensive area, um, which then obviously pushes Shuan uh, up into, into the second row. You, know, you look at the front row, Kelsey deserves a start. She's been brilliant, impact off the bench and, and, is, and deserves to have a look. And, and Donna, we flipped around um, again to, have a, to give her an opportunity to show that she can start test match as well. And how important is it now that you finish on a high after the, the results against England and France? If we look at it as a whole and you, know, you always want to finish a campaign well and you know, a perfect opportunity on Saturday to do that. But as a whole, if we were to finish it as we are today, you know, we've, we've, it's been a successful campaign. We've improved. Aspects of our game are, are much further ahead than they were in the autumn. What have we had? We've had three months with the girls, the, the contracted girls, and we're only going to get better. But you know, we always want to finish strongly. And, and that's something that we've been talking to the girls about putting a, a decent performance in uh, for the last game of the tournament at home. You know, hopefully be decent weather, nice early kickoff. So yeah, we're certainly excited about that opportunity to, to finish strong. It would be Wales women's best finish since uh, 2009. They've not won three games since 13 years ago. Yeah, you know, it's outstanding. And I'm just pleased for the girls, really. And it, it will show all the hard work that they've put in, the tough years that have obviously been before us, but with the you know, positive horizons, the contracted girls, the semi-pros, and almost the commitment that the WRU have put to the women's game, you know, it will be a nice way to, to finish it off and to, you know, we can look back with a bit of pride over of what we've done over the tournament and push on into you know, a massive World Cup at the end of the year. Captain Sean Lillycrap's also been enjoying the way the Six Nations has grabbed the attention and she's looking forward to the final game. Yeah, I'm excited and looking forward to, you know, one last opportunity to really 
showcase our capabilities and you know what we've been working on and finish on a high really you know I think it's important that we do that we had a good start and a tough middle essentially so it's really important that we finish with a good performance and hopefully the result will look after itself and then you know our confidence are higher than they've been before going into summer prep ahead of a world cup so yeah I'm looking forward to the opportunity to you know share the field with the girls again and and the important thing is that we're putting the performance this Saturday. Are you hoping then that the, the impact players getting a start now will, will contribute to, to you guys starting well now as, as you haven't done it in, in maybe some of the previous games? Yeah, absolutely. We hope so. You know, I think we've learned a lot of lessons as a squad as well. It's tough not starting as well as we, as we would have liked. You know, you, it changes your game slightly because you're chasing a game or you've gone behind and, you know, you find yourself on back foot defending and that's hard so we've learned so much for that but we've got to put that into practice and you know I'm sure this squad will be able to start well and get some momentum and, and play then the style of rugby that, that we want to play and play with the freedom and confidence to be able to execute that's our challenge this weekend and that's what we're looking to do. This Women's Six Nations has probably been the best it ever has hasn't it but I think you know everyone can see there are still maybe a few things to work on in terms of getting everyone at least up to semi-professional standard just wondered have you got any thoughts on how you would like to see the competition evolve further I think this Six Nations has been you know a great competition it is tough you know seeing some of the score lines and being involved in some of those score lines so I know nations are looking at their procedures and their infrastructures and how, how they can support but I think more and more good news will keep coming out. Like we've seen Italy, 25 professional contracts in the last few weeks. And my hope is just more and more nations get behind their players because that will just help the game develop and get better and better and the more competition that we can have and close that gap essentially. And that's what we want to do. You know, the reality is England, France are a fair few years ahead of us or a fair few years in professionalism ahead of us, which... You know, it will take time to close that gap. But, you know, I think you know, the positive is, obviously, we were bitterly disappointed with our, our result against France because we never want to lose. But, you know, on reflection, it's a lot less a bigger scoreline than the last few years. And it was 7-5 after 30 minutes. So if we can better that first 30, you know, it's, it's a much tighter contest. So loads of things. And I think actually performances have, have enhanced loads from the type of investment that we've had I think 12 months ago you know we wouldn't have been close to that that scoreline but that's due to the investment of the WIU and the belief in us as players and giving us the tools to be able to go out there and perform better recover better and take strides forward but we're not satisfied with that performance you know we know we've still got a long way to go and a lot of hard work to be done so hopefully I just hope more unions um, invest in their women's players and, and the programmes for the game to keep developing. The fact that this time the women's, it has been standalone, we have seen big crowds, we have seen, obviously the television coverage has had a lot more general coverage. Does that put pressure on the unions to up their game and to try and match England and France and make it a more even product? I think it absolutely has. No one wants, you know, I've seen some viewing figures of England's game on social media yesterday. You know, 800,000 viewers online, 17,000 people in stadiums. You know, look at their results against Ireland. Ireland don't want to be seeing that result. 
with that many viewing figures either. So I think it actually does, but the exposure as well, and rightly so, everyone's having for the time, the commitment and the quality in which these nations, you know, these players, you know, we feel it, put in, deserve the recognition to be able to be the best. So it absolutely does put pressure on, which is a good thing. But, you know, we as players love this game, love the opportunity to take that, that where our nation shirts, yeah, to be able to then play in front of that many people on TV and the coverage after and the positivity has been overwhelming. I think unions want to be part of that and, you know, be able to share that success with their players as well. Flanker Alex Callender's come back into the side. So what are the main qualities she feels has got that selection? I feel like I have no fear. So like I'm probably one of the smallest in the pack. That's just me. But I think I've just got to have no fear and just go out there. I also get compared to a little Jack Russell as well. So I don't really know how to take that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you've just got to go out and just and just back yourself and your ability. Like the men's game, the women seem to have a, a sort of an embarrassment of riches in the back row. Just how proud of you to, to get in there when, when there are such quality players around you. Yeah, I'm so proud. And like every opportunity I get to wear that Welsh jersey is just an honour. So to have that competition within the back row, that's exactly what we want within the squad. We want strength and depth and we want that competitiveness in training and to fight for that position. So to be able to go out on the weekend now and have that starting seven shirt, like I'm just so proud and so honoured to go out there. And if I can ask you, how, how proud of you are the way Seanette has come back and uh, in this setup and the way that she's played and, and the tries that she's scored? Yeah, she's been amazing, hasn't she? Like she's come back in, kept her head down and just really worked hard for, for where she is at, at this point in time. From the bench, she's made a huge impact. She's scored, brought that real energy, real vibe about her. So it was really good to have her back in the squad. And obviously now we get to start to get up with each other on the weekend. So Really looking forward to it and just really excited just to go up there and, and play alongside her. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what, what's it like to start together? Because it must be sort of difficult when one of you starts, one of you doesn't. You know, it, it must be great to pack down and, and know that, you know, she's there just in the back row with you. Yeah, and I think that comes from like club as well. We play with Worcester with each other as well. So I think obviously having the opportunity to wear that Welsh badge alongside each other, like that, I'm so excited just to go out on the weekend and really showcase what we can do in the squad, really. There's a great picture, I think. Was it after the Scotland game where, was it Sean got man of the match and the two of you are together? It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> it must be lovely to have your friends and family all there when, when you have moments like that. Yeah, definitely. And then, like, you know, having my family there is a real, real push and a real encouragement for me to perform and just to go out there and, and just enjoy every moment I can, really. Let's talk about Italy then. Uh, how, how do you feel about going up against Italy, given that they beat Scotland the last time out? Yeah, they're going to be on a real high coming from that real performance against Scotland. But I think it's just about us sticking to our processes and really looking forward and just having that belief in one one another. Because when we do, we're a real good side. And we can't just have that from the, you know, from the first to the 60th minute. We have to have it from the first to the 80th. So I think if we have that belief, have that energy and just real, really back each other on the field, I think it's going to be a good performance and hopefully a real good win on the weekend. And what would three wins and the best finish since 2009 mean to you? It would be incredible. I think from the journey we've been on as a squad to where we are now, I think it would just be amazing. And not just myself, but the whole squad would just be yeah on an absolute high. And especially a World Cup year, just so excited just to hopefully get that win. And it'll be a real buzz going into this year then, especially into the World Cup. How does it feel to be 
still one of the, the amateur players then amongst all that lot? Do you feel like you have a, a separate point to prove again? To be honest, I think I was a bit nervous coming into the Six Nations campaign because, you know, contracts have been given out. They already had a head start with coaches and stuff. So I think I was a bit nervous, but I just wanted to come in and just do what I can do and just show what I can do on the field. And, you know, I would play for my country for no money. You know, it doesn't bother me. Like, it's the passion. It's what I love doing. So for me, money doesn't come into anything like that. I just want to go out to just prove that I can be the best that I can be where I am at the moment just only develop and just keep getting better throughout the years. And what job do you balance then with your training and match commitments? Currently studying primary education at the moment. So so I have like eight week placements. So within school, so studying to be a teacher, which I absolutely love. I love working with the younger children. They just give you a real buzz and just make you smile. So yeah. If that contract was awarded, would that be something that you would shelve in a World Cup year? Yeah, I think definitely, you know, just to get that extra time and gym and conditioning really um, would really benefit me going into a World Cup year 100%. Can you maybe just run us through your kind of rugby journey? You know, when did you start? What was your first club? How old were you? So I was actually 16 when I started. It was at Snetley Wonders. So one of the girls was just like, come along, it'll be fun. So I did. And the first session was actually a contact session. and. I absolutely loved it. I think from then I, I've never looked back really. And then went into, got invited into the Scarlet under 18 squad and then into the seven squad. And yeah, it's just been a um, progression really from there. There's kind of a bit of a group, isn't there, of, of rugby parents on Twitter and they're all very supportive and l- like everything. Your mum, would you say she's your biggest fan? Yeah, she's always at my games, whether it's home or away, always there with the Welsh dragon flag. Yeah, she's just my top supporter. Yeah, she isn't very well at the moment. But I think it kind of motivates me a lot more to kind of go out there and just enjoy it and just perform. Because when I put on that Welsh jersey, the first person I think of is my mum. And like, I want to go out and I want to put a performance in for her just to see her smile after the game. So it's, yeah, it's, it's nice. listening to the Welsh Rugby Union podcast. And clearly, best wishes to Alex Callender's mum. But now, on to three of the wise men in Welsh rugby. Chief Executive Steve Phillips, Head of Participation Garant John, and Performance Director Nigel Walker on how long it takes to improve the player pathway. From a performance point of view, you can make changes today. It doesn't guarantee success tomorrow or next month. It takes a while. Even Usain Bolt, who's probably the greatest sportsman of my time, didn't have a linear progress. Even though he was world junior champion at 15, beating 90-year-old, he went to his first Olympics and he got his butt kicked, went out in the semi-final. Nobody has a linear progress like that, so you make the right changes, the right levers to make sure you get the right outcome and people don't like that. But that's what it's like. You have to make sure you pull in this lever and you think that will be the outcome and then you measure the outcome. And anybody who thinks you can get success or improve performance in three months, six months, nine months doesn't know anything about performance. It's going to take a while. Yeah. If you look at the, the age grades, it wasn't great. There's a lot of stuff going on out there about too much in academies. They're not playing enough and a lack of control. John Alder, very important appointment, but how yeah. much control will he have from 20 to 23? Because the regions will decide where they play, when they play, are they on the bench, are they starting? Have we got an overseas player who's a bit better now. 
Is that a fair criticism that they're spending too much time in academies, not enough time on the pitch? And how do you get that 18 to 23? Again, it's sort of a lazy characterisation of where it is. What I'm saying is, you get your under-20s, they played, and our under-20 season was disappointing. Nobody's going to say anything less. 36 players who were in the under-20s. What do you do with them now? Previously, not a lot is the answer. What we're going to do now, and the Premiership may be part of this answer, is you've got those 36 players, you've got individual player plans, and you track their progress over the next 12, 24 months. So they play the right number of games at the right level. That's how you develop people. If you leave it the chance, you're going to get poor results. Now, is it the region's sole decision? I can't tell the regions who they should play or anything, but I would think by collaboration and sitting down and talking about it, we might get somewhere, because in the what we call a pipeline group, which has met numerous times, the academy managers are there, and we're talking about what is required. We're developing a framework, and I would expect all regions to follow it. Why do you think the age great performances weren't what they could or should have been? Because we as a union haven't done enough with our under-20s last year. And I know we've got COVID the year before, the year before, the year before. You can't leave it to chance. You have to map somebody's progress. And then you have to hold them to account. And if you're a 19-year-old outside half and you can't kick off both feet or your place kick is not good enough, there should be a four or five point bullet plan which improves that and somebody needs to monitor it and get you the help that you need. You won't suddenly do it all on your own. So is that John Alder's role? It is within John's remit. And as you can imagine, I've been bugging the hell out of him. He's only in day three or four, and I've been bugging the hell out of him. He knows exactly what's required. I had breakfast a few weeks ago with my opposite number in Ireland. And we talked about the position in Ireland, the position in Wales. And I said, obviously, your setup, your governance structure is slightly different. And he said, it's not about a governance structure. It's about understanding what you're trying to achieve and everybody buying into it. And if we passionately believe that the Wales senior men's team, because we're talking about men's rugby at the moment, needs to be here, this is the contribution the regions will make to this, and this is what the national team will give to the regions. If you reach agreement on that, it's not that difficult. Can I just ask you as well, Steve, last time we charted, um, you said that there could be maybe some form of competition in between World Cups. What's the latest on that? Is there any sort of movement there? There's conversations ongoing. I think, to me, as you will, rugby, I've been, I've been mentioning this, so it is the concept of a global season mm. where we would look to try and form a competition around when we, the North, mm. go south. You know, you play three test matches and then you get a reciprocal three test matches back in November. So there's definitely a lot of conversations going on. Is there something that we can do in that space? We talk a lot about it within Six Nations. We have met the a lot of the Southern Hemisphere teams are up. We did knock it around a little bit and we've met with World Rugby. So that would be the ambition. I think there is a sort of consensus of what we want to achieve. We've just got to run some detail to ground, including when might this start. So the idea would be very, very, you know, headline We might play in July and making teams up, okay? South Africa, Argentina and Fiji. Then when we're home, you would then play the others, which might include New Zealand, Australia and Japan or somebody. Yeah? You know, you create a, a league, if you like, and there's a, an obvious winner. The coaches mentioned that quarterfinals of the next World Cup is realistic. Are you happy with that? Given what we are in Wales, I think we would have an expectation of quarterfinals as a minimum and 
after that, then I would be very optimistic of going after that. Now, of course, I think we've made three semi-finals, and they are, and anything can happen. I would be of the view that, given Wales is standing, I know it's, it's luck of the draw and you know where you won your pool and who you play and all that, but I think you know the qualifying will be our minimum expectation. Nigel, can I, can I just ask as well, in terms of coaches, we haven't had a Welsh coach since Gareth Jenkins. Is that something you'd like to see down the line, a Welsh coach that's good enough to coach national side again? At the appropriate time, I'd be disappointed if there weren't a Welsh coach or two in the frame. So Nigel, can you give us like a, a bit of an overall of um, John Alder's remit and perhaps some working examples of what specifically he's going to be looking at? Is, is he looking at a player's development from 16 to the national squad? Or is that too much of a generalisation? So he's got responsibility for the talent pathway, full stop. So he'll work with Geraint's team so that when people come in, but he will really be looking at that 17, 18, 19, 20 age group. That's where he'll be focusing on. And he'll be working with the, the regions and the academies to develop that framework to make sure that if you have the potential to be a world beater, there's a good chance that you will become a world beater. Can I just add on that? Yeah, I think so. one of the key things as well, the, the close alignment here is that Part of our role in the community game is to supply players, and that's our role. Great number of players. We want to supply the best players to go and play regional, international rugby, and be the best. But also want to retain players to carry on playing in the community game. So internally, through the pipeline, look at what is right for a 12-year-old, what programs, same 13, same 14, same 15. We've got lots of competitions. Again, not going into too much detail, but these conversations have been happening since Nigel's come in, which is great going you know, together. What is right for the 15-year-old? You know, we have right now the Jewish Shield, you know, is that the right programme? What does it look like? We've got 16 regional school rugby, schools and college rugby. How does it fit to where, one, what is right for the performance side, but what is right to maintain players for the community side as well? So people say, what are you doing and not doing anything? Categorically, there is a plan, and the plan is really to make sure what is right for both aspects, and it's really, really... It gets me excited because it sort of like helps our clubs moving forward. But I can look at it going, yeah, it is going to make our regions and our players better and also to make our national team better. 100% confident. Yeah, the only thing I'd, I'd add to that is it is complex. Mm. Just this morning, I was talking to Cardiff University. A few weeks ago, I was at Cardiff Met. A few weeks ago, I went to Llandovery College. It's complex. Mm. Last week, we had colleagues, Cigar, Kavak and Kamui to talk about the various elements and they've all got to align and because it's so complex if you treat them in isolation you're never going to get the right end result and I know I've talked about a number of conversations but you try and get that alignment so that you get the perfect end result irrespective of where a boy or girl comes into the system they get the opportunity to rise to their level whatever their level is and when we're talking about the performance end it's making sure that with our relatively small population we're not scattering people left and right, that they're staying in that tight group for as long as possible so that the end result is higher. And it takes a while. Any concerns you didn't sell out France and Italy? Infamous, isn't it? You know, Friday, Sunday conversation. Lots of things to think about it, if I'm being bluntly honest. We were probably surprised and disappointed with it. We would ordinarily expect to sell out France, as you undoubtedly would think the same thing. Bear in mind, we've done, I think, four of these previously. I think we've done France twice, England and Ireland, I think. All been very successful. The questions we were asking ourselves was, if the opposition would have been different, would it have been a different result? 
how much of it was the inactivity of the COVID lockdown over Christmas may be a factor. Feedback from FFR, which is the French Union, was saying it was difficult to fly to Cardiff. Those are things that we now take away. The question then becomes, we're not always going to play on a Saturday. So we're going to get a choice, Friday, Sunday. We've historically gone for a Friday because it, we felt it worked for us. I think we now need to look at that again. And I think you know things you need to factor into it is, what is the fan experience, which is very, very important to us, including the travel arrangements, you know, trains and buses and you know, all those other things. We need to think about, is it going to work commercially? It is international at the end of the day. I think we also need to be very mindful, and this is the bit that everybody misses, from a high performance point of view, people are desperately trying to avoid a six-day turnaround, and they don't like a six-day turnaround if you've then got an away match. So, I'll give you an example, Six Nations 21. People don't remember this because there's no crowds, you know, so we opened up on a Sunday, no crowds in the Principality. We played Scotland the following week. Now, that's a six-day turnaround, including a travel day. So we try and avoid those. And I think the other thing which is conscious of, and if we were to play on a Sunday, and I think they traditionally make you play at two o'clock or something, if you watch some of the other sides, what, if any, impact will that have on the whole mini and junior game in Wales? Because you probably know like I do, that's where it all happens. So we need to sort of take on that on board. It's not as black and white as people want it to make it to be. How did the hotel perform? We scrambled to get it open ahead of the All Blacks. I think we, it did very well during the autumn, and it had a pretty much comprehensive order book then, if I can call it, that coming into Christmas because we had the lockdowns. And it's going quite well, and it, it definitely performed very well over the um, Six Nations. That's often used as a stick to beat the union with. Keen to get your take on that because I bet that's probably frustrated you a bit. The one I always get. WU spend their money on a hotel as opposed to putting it into rugby. So the what we did with the hotel, the, the end building was always ours. So we kind of scratched our heads for years about what on earth to do with that. Then the opportunity came up to merge the old, what I call the old BT building, LNG pension fund, annuity fund. They funded the whole thing, including buying our building office. You know, we recirculated the money back into into the project. Our capital into it was pretty much negligible. Its trading projections, subject to get back to you know normal, are very encouraging. So the way I look at it is, anything incremental there has got to be good for the game because I haven't put capital into it. A lot of interesting thoughts there. We'll round up the Six Nations next week and look ahead to the closing stages of the URC on the Welsh Rugby Union podcast. But until then, goodbye.